Talk Murder to Me, a true crime tour, is coming to the Denver, Colorado area Thursday, February 10th through Sunday, February 13th. Join the hosts of your favorite true crime podcasts on an all-star panel of true crime experts discussing some curious cases. You'll be joined by Cults, Crimes, and Cabernet, True Consequences, True Crime IRL, and Generation Y. And you'll be enjoying this true crime chat in some pretty cool venues while sipping on craft beers, cocktails, and wine. You can search for the event on Eventbrite by typing in Talk Murder to Me, a true crime tour, or you can go to my website, truecrimeirl.com slash events to get all the details and links to buy your tickets. You're not going to want to miss this one-of-a-kind event coming to Colorado in February 2022. And until then, well, you know the drill. Lock your doors, people. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Talk Murder to Me, a true crime tour, is coming to the Denver, Colorado area Thursday, February 10th through Sunday, February 13th. Join the hosts of your favorite true crime podcasts on an all-star panel of true crime experts discussing some curious cases. You'll be joined by Cults, Crimes, and Cabernet, True Consequences, True Crime IRL, and Generation Y. And you'll be enjoying this true crime chat in some pretty cool venues while sipping on craft beers, cocktails, and wine. You can search for the event on Eventbrite by typing in Talk Murder to Me, a true crime tour, or you can go to my website, truecrimeirl.com slash events to get all the details and links to buy your tickets. You're not going to want to miss this one-of-a-kind event coming to Colorado in February 2022. And until then, well, you know the drill. Lock your doors, people. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, welcome to season two of True Crime IRL, true crime in real life. This is a new limited series called The Manchester Mysteries. You'll still be getting real life stories of crime and unsolved cases, but all wrapped up in a very different package. This season, I'm concentrating on the captivating stories that have come out of one particular small Midwestern town called Manchester. Manchester is both weird and wonderful, with a full cast of interesting characters who have some unique stories to tell. I'll be presenting you with tales of murder, mayhem, and crimes of passion. And I'll be bringing you everything from missing persons cases to questionable suicides and even a homicide that went unsolved for 40 years. There'll be an element of local folklore to some of our tales, but also a healthy dose of science, DNA technology, forensics, history, government, law, and so much more. And yes, it's all out of one little community in small town America. If you think you had our country's heartland all figured out, well, guess again, because I'll be bringing you stories this season that would make Ted Bundy blush. Season two of True Crime IRL, The Manchester Mysteries, debuts January 14th, 2022, and is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Until then, lock your doors, people, even if, or 
especially if you live in Manchester. Bye-bye. You're listening to Season 2 of True Crime IRL, The Manchester Mysteries. Although this series is based 100% on factual events, keep in mind that at times we've changed the names of people or places in order to protect the innocent, or in some cases, the guilty. Hey everybody, it's Kelly from True Crime IRL. Thank you so much for hanging in with me now for, what is this, six episodes in this little Manchester Mysteries mini-series thing that I'm doing here. The story that I'm telling continues to evolve because every week I talk to somebody new who has something, you know, some new details to give me, things that I didn't know before. I have talked to friends that are close to the situation. I've talked to friends of Brian Farmer Burns. I have talked to law enforcement and people who worked with people who were close to the case. And I'm going to be talking to the prosecution and the defense soon too. But I have talked to so many people and every time I talk to someone, I glean a new little bit of information. So I don't know where this series is going yet. But there are some definite mysteries surrounding the Burns family, especially. Um, I had always thought I'd be getting really into the Todd and Amy Mullis cornrake murder case. but And I do have some good interviews with people that I'm going to share with you soon. But right now, I am just really working hard on everything that has to do with Jerry Burns and Brian Farmer Burns and Pat Burns and all of that. So... Hang on tight with me. I don't know where it's going, but we'll figure it out together. So in my search for more information about the three members of the Burns family that I'm talking most about, Jerry, Brian, Farmer, and Patricia, I have a friend who is in local law enforcement. I'm going to call him for this episode. I'm going to call him Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan! I'm not going to give his real name, and I've changed his voice a little bit, too, just because, you know, he's about ready to retire. He knows everyone in town. He is a pillar of the community, and I don't want anybody to get upset with him for talking to me because, boy, there are some people who are upset that I'm talking about this stuff here locally. People don't like it, and I don't totally know why. I don't know. Like, do they have something to hide? I don't know. But anyway, this next episode is me and my friend, Lieutenant Dan, talking about the Michelle Martinko murder and Jerry Burns, and then also Brian Farmer Burns, his cousin who went missing, and his ex-wife, Patricia Burns, who died by suicide very tragically. So my friend, Lieutenant Dan, called me, and he had some some paperwork to share with me that he was able to get. It's um, it's the Manchester Police Department call for service record. Basically, this is, it's not a transcript of the 911 call, but it's got some details in it about the 911 call. So Jerry Burns called 911 at about 4.30 p.m. Central Time on Sunday, June 29th, 
2008. The exact word-for-word note on this report says, Jerry advises he thinks his wife has committed suicide by shotgun in the basement. And as my friend, Lieutenant Dan, and I are going to talk about, it would be pretty apparent that that's what happened if it was a suicide by shotgun, but I just thought the wording was kind of unusual. He thinks his wife has committed suicide. What else could it be? I mean, I guess it could have been homicide. Maybe it was. But anyway, let's go into this conversation now. all the time which is good but when i blow up your phone that means i have something for you okay (laughs) just be more just be like kelly now so Mm -hmm. jerry advises he thinks his wife has committed suicide by shotgun in the basement he thinks okay yeah generally a shotgun suicide is pretty obvious I just don't know. Do you think the person who attended it would talk to me? Probably not. I do believe so. No, really? Yeah. Would he... Would talk to you. Give an opinion. He'd just give me the facts. Well, I think what he's saying... He's going to give you what he knew at the time. Mm -hmm. But like I said, armed with the fact that this guy has been connected with an actual murder, Mm -hmm. it would make anybody question Absolutely. Anybody would look back and say... And is it possible? Let's just say, for instance, is it possible that maybe she was sleeping and he stuck it in her mouth and pulled the fucking trigger? Yes, it's... I mean, anything's possible. It is possible. She's depressed. Mm -hmm. Did she take some sleeping meds? Could you open her mouth and slip a shotgun in there and pull the trigger? Yeah, Yeah, you could. Completely possible. Yeah. But what reason would he have had to kill her? I don't know. I don't know. Life insurance? Was, was there? Uh, I, yeah. I don't know, know. A lot of times that doesn't pay if it's suicide. That's true. There is like that but clause. Sometimes it does. I yeah. know I know one person that it paid. There was no clause in there. It's very possible. It's all about context. And at the time, we didn't have the context of, <clears throat> you know, this guy's a murderer. This guy did this in 1979. We didn't know that then. Now we know it. Now we can look back in hindsight at everything he's done and be like, did he do this because of his murderous side? I don't know. You know? What I can say is the sheriff told me directly that he had dri- driven by the house before. Mm-hmm. And he was screaming at her in a rage. Like, he said, I don't know what he was yelling about, but it was it was wicked. He just happened to be driving by, and yeah. Jerry was screaming just at his in wife. A, in an absolute rage. Wow. Yeah. So I have an interview coming up with Nick Maybanks, the prosecutor. I am interviewing him next week on that. And I'm trying to get an interview with Leon Spees, the defense attorney on the case. So... That'll be interesting. I asked Nick, I was like, can we talk about the um, internet search history that was suppressed from the jury? Now that's damning. Mm-hmm. The jury never got to hear about right. that, but they still convicted him. But right. like he had been- he, I think he, the case was largely built on DNA. Oh yeah, it was all I mean, DNA. Totally It's all DNA. science and that, that's- The thing is like DNA can't lie. It is what it is. It's a fact. The only thing they can do successfully is discredit exactly the fact that has it been tainted exactly 
that's where they where they're going to go with it. Yeah, it's the only place you can go. All my criminal defense attorney friends and stuff are like, "Hey, DNA contam- cross contamination happens all the time. Like that's a thing. I don't know." Is it, though? I mean, in this case, I think it couldn't have possible, been. Possible, but not probable. No. Like, yeah. that's what Travis said, too. Is it possible or probable? <laughs> he used the same words you guys use your, your cop words. Well, it's just, it's, just, <laughs> it's just painting the picture that yeah. anything is possible. Yeah. But probably it didn't happen. Right. Because let's, let's face it. Let's look at <laughs> what, are, what are the odds of the DNA match mm-hmm. versus when they did the move and the flood and all that stuff in mm-hmm. Cedar Rapids at the time. Yeah. I forgot about all What's of it going to get intermingled with? Yeah. And what, are, what was the process used to move everything? I never thought about the flood. Oh, yeah. All that stuff was moved. Was everything. that 2013 or? I don't recall. So, no, 2009. I don't remember, but. I, I don't know. But they, it was moved. It was all mm-hmm. moved. Everything was moved. And that, that was one of the things. I mean, I, I do believe there were some things that were damaged. Mm-hmm. I can't say what. I don't know. But damage is different than cross-contamination. And, well, um, what are you going to cross it with and still match with, with him? Right. Because the same male DNA was on the gear shifter of the mm-hmm. car and on the dress. You can explain the gear shifter of the car because he worked at the car dealership right. at one point. And I think, I mean, that's definitely a good point Mm -hmm. but the the dress there's no way to explain that no so no that's that's a tough one what crime shows do you watch forensic files i do i love forensic files oh fear thy neighbor put that on i haven't i don't think i've watched fear thy neighbor no I, no, I I haven't watched. This is great. I think I know of them. I mean, the the evil that people are capable of mm-hmm. is really it shocks me. Even it, what yeah. I have seen in my career, mm-hmm. the evil that people are capable of is absolutely shocking. It shocks me too, and I think I think people do not think about the consequences of their actions. I think it's a lot about that. Like, I think people in the moment, it's like road rage. They just like, oh, have this instinctual, like anger or whatever. And they're like, they don't stop and think about the repercussions. Well, most murders are heat of passion. Yeah. So that's yeah. typically what you're, what you're dealing yeah. with. Somebody that's really pissed off. Yeah. And they don't control their anger appropriately. Exactly. And they resort to violence. Yeah. Go Especially ahead. with weapons. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to pull a trigger, but then it's like really hard to take it back. It's just like when you, you know, you say things you don't really mean when you're arguing with someone. And if someone has a gun on them or something, like, they, it's so easy to just pull it out and be like, just like with suicide, I think everyone who does something like that ends up really regretting it and wishing they could take it back, but they can't at that point. So, Well, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It is. Totally. Suicide is one of the things that saddens me mm-hmm. so much. Oh, me too. Yeah. And, and you see a lot in, in my it. career, I have seen multiple people that have, have done that. And I've had four friends commit suicide. That's horrible. And yeah. the one thing that they 
I've been through rough times. I've been divorced. I've been through all of this stuff. Dude, you've been through fucking rough times. Yes. And it's like, you know, if you allow yourself to see better times, they Mm -hmm. will come. They all do. It's just so hard in the moment. Like it is. I mean, I think for some people that are fragile, they, they take that route. And mm-hmm. there again, it's all the time spontaneous. Mm-hmm. They do it quickly without thinking. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my coworkers responding to a guy that was suicidal. Mm-hmm. And he had broken into a house. And he left the house and was on foot being chased. Mm-hmm. And as the officers were catching up to him, he turned around and he saw him close. He said, fuck this. Put the gun in his mouth and he blew his head off. <gasps> Vaporized his head wow. right in front of him. It's mm-hmm. such a. So I think so many of them are very spontaneous. And yeah, I, I think, I don't know. Suicide is, it's what leads up to it is mental illness. And. Mental illness or like a temp, even a temporary mm-hmm. mental instability that's brought on by, you know, circumstances. Well, I've had several, like I said, several friends. One of them was very spontaneous and reckless. And he was faced with a situation where he had assaulted his girlfriend, but she called the police and he stepped into the closet and he shot himself just like that. Boom, just- done. No ability to fix it. He was a contractor. He had a very good business. He was very successful up in Green Bay. And he had uh, built an immense business for himself, all by himself. And he, you know, just in an instant blew his head off. Just your emotions are out of check. Mm-hmm. And you you can't reel them in and people just do unthinkable yeah. things. Law enforcement has a very, like, one of the highest suicide rates there is. The means to do it is on your hip 24-7. Yeah. For years and years and years. Mm -hmm. It's there. Mm -hmm. But I think the one thing that that kept me right Mm -hmm. was the fact that I'd seen so many people do such senseless things. That was no longer an option. Yeah. It was not going to be my option. It was not going to be how I was going to leave my family mm-hmm. and my kids, no matter what. It was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I've seen it. I mean, and I look at his children. Mm-hmm. You know, he has two daughters and a son. Wonderful kids. And his wife, you know, she's a wreck. You know, whether they were in love, they were still married. She probably blames herself. Yeah, she probably does. I mean, I, like I said, I know they had their issues, but that's not, it's not her fault. It, it was his choice. Yes. But there was also other things connected with that. Did you know about the other things? Mm-mm. Well, he was addicted to painkillers. Mm. Well, that's going to skew someone's perception. Well, when, when that all started to build, he was using a lot of painkillers and he was mixing them with alcohol and he was going to work and he was some days he was fucked up mm-hmm. the sheriff said you need to go home like mm-hmm. he thought he was drunk mm-hmm. and he was fucked up on painkillers and probably alcohol but he there was days he made no sense mm-hmm. but he was I saw him every day when I go to work he'd be sitting in dispatch and but yeah it was it was sad to see 
go. We've been through a few things together. Mm -hmm. It's always sad. Yeah, so I wonder if Jerry Burns was sad to see Pat go or what their relationship was like. I don't know. I have not been able to, like, get in touch with anyone about her. Like, tons of people knew him. Nobody knew her. I don't know. I never even knew her. I knew his second wife, which was a cousin, wasn't it? Some relation to her. Oh, what? Oh, it was a cousin? Well, some relation to his wife, I believe, as I understand it. Given, given the hindsight of the fact that he had murdered somebody, I don't know. Is it possible he could have done another one? Maybe. Maybe they were having an affair. Like we've said, anything is possible. It is possible. What's probable. I want to talk to her, but so, I'm scared that nobody is... I, she might, because... All she has to do is gain something from mm-hmm. it. There's nothing to be lost. Because he was married when when he mm-hmm. was arrested. Mm-hmm. He had a second wife. Right. Which was a relative of the first yes. wife. I believe okay. in some way, shape, or form. So, I want to talk to her. I wonder what she thinks. Like, I wonder if she, like, nobody's ever talked about her. You know, I bet you she'd talk to you. I'll bet she would. Do you think she still lives in the house? or did Oh, they yeah. I think yeah? so. I, I haven't heard any different. And his son, I feel bad for him. They had to change the name of the business after that. I mean... But they, everybody knows, and honestly... Everyone around here knows. So, so there yeah. again, his son, when you are faced with the fact that somebody you know pretty closely and can sit down and, and have discussion with, and one day... You see on the news, it happened to be our Christmas party. It was the, like, um, police department Christmas party? Oh, on the 19th, yes. The news came on, and Jerry Burns, Manchester, Iowa, was arrested. And it was like, wow, huge, like, I can't believe it. Nobody could believe it. Not just law enforcement, but nobody in the entire community. Because most of law enforcement knew him. Mm Mm-hmm. And that made it even more mm-hmm. unbelievable. You would think if someone had done some horrible things, they would be like shying away from law enforcement or whatever. But maybe he was like the smartest guy ever. Maybe he was like, I'm a normal guy. I'm just going to immerse myself in the local community. I don't know. But if you think about it, murder is really no different than any other crime. If you have somebody embezzling money, which we've had in Manchester. What happens? <laughs> they usually they take a little bit and then they take more. Mm-hmm. But they don't change the people that they hang out with. True. Their status in the community is the same the whole time. Yeah. Until something is uncovered, everything is, remains the same. Very true. And that is the case with every serial 100% killer. Every. Of the time. Yes. Yeah. So. They have a. Um, I would say initially, there's probably some behaviors that his close friends could say. Now that you mention it, mm-hmm. there were some behaviors that were different. Mm-hmm. But at the time. But again, it's all about context. Like right. they weren't looking at him in the eyes of like this is someone who's nobody a killer. Was. Nobody yeah, nobody was, was until it happened. Yeah, and it was like wow. I completely was blown away 
Mm-hmm. The guy that sat down with him, talked Corvettes, mm-hmm. had soda with him, mm-hmm. nice conversation, his mm-hmm. friend at the dealership. Mm-hmm. We all sat and had discussion. And it's like there was no, absolutely no way you could sit there and say, I completely believe that. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't. But DNA don't lie. I said, you know, Kenny, I don't even know what to make of it. I'm not going to weigh in on it because it's like, you know, it's science. Mm-hmm. It's science. It's not about reputation. It's about science. Mm-hmm. I can't weigh in on that. That's a good place to leave it. DNA doesn't lie. Well, and his brother is like, there's no fucking way. He, mm-hmm. didn't, he didn't do mm-hmm. this. So they will do everything possible to get him vindicated. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of leaning on the side of science. Mm -hmm. Science (laughs) is the final word on everything. I've had all kinds of sex crimes that have been solved by DNA. Mm -hmm. My son told me that he wanted to be a cop. And I said, absolutely not. You can, but I would say there's about 10 other things you'd rather do. I said, look at the shit I deal with every day. Look at the crap that I drag home. And I, I don't, like, impart that on him, but I, I, I do tell him about some of the fun stuff. Maybe he just wants to follow in his dad's footsteps. Well, I... No, I want to talk more about okay. Pat Burns. Let's get that going here quick. Talk more about the suicide of Pat Burns. Brian Farmer Burns. A lot of people in town think a lot of things. They, they have talked about it. <clears throat> And honestly, I can't dismiss that, a lot of the discussion, as potential possibility. Yeah. Because honestly, in hindsight, we have a man that has been convicted and sent to prison on a murder that occurred in the late 70s. So his relative, is it possible that Brian knew something about Jerry... And Michelle Martinko, and you wanted to discard that potential link. Coupled with the fact that there was an anonymous report, I would say, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So is it, is it possible? Yeah, it's very possible. But everything's possible. Yeah. Probable? I don't know. I think it is. Um, because I don't believe in coincidence, and I think that date, December 19th, that's the thing for me. It like resonates with me, December 19th. All of these things happened on December 19th, and that cannot be a coincidence, in my opinion. Dates can be specific to certain criminals. Yeah. Certain things trigger them. Yeah, very possible. You knew Jerry. Yeah. Like, and he was like a, like a norm, a normal guy. Like the kind of guy you'd go have coffee with, like have a donut with, talk with, and like talk about normal things. Like Jerry seemed like a very normal guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Every, every discussion that we had was just very, I mean, very much normal Mm -hmm. in every way. I feel like um, someone who would commit such an atrocious, like, horrible, heinous crime. I mean, she was stabbed almost like 20 or 30 times in the face, neck, chest. That's a violent. Super violent. Brutal crime. I don't 
think that would be a thing where you just do that once randomly and you're like satiated by that like i don't know like were there more were there more people i don't know i think it's very possible has there been a link i know there's been discussion but is there a link to anybody else not that i'm aware of not really no but if a person can do it once oh they can do it again i mean, i think when you unleash that level of fury anything is possible yes and if you can get away with it for 40 years you probably become very emboldened by getting away with it it couldn't have been his first time is what i think at 25 years old he wore gloves you know he went 40 years undetected my question my question is what are you searching for on the internet that's the right now i think that is what i want to know what what was his internet searches what were they oh my gosh i'm gonna say this off the cuff because i i'm not looking at my notes i don't have them in front of me but so his internet searches were suppressed that was not something Mm -hmm. that was admissible to the jury in the trial um i'm gonna be talking to Nick Maybanks more about that next week. But um, so he was searching for things like blonde women getting beaten. He was searching for like um, basically snuff films, like blonde women getting killed. Really brutal sexual porn, like snuff films and things like that. Like it was a it was a bad mix of stuff on his internet search history and that's questionable yeah circumstantial evidence but the jury should have heard that i feel like and you know what it didn't matter well, because why, he was still why didn't they hear it? yeah i don't know all the details and i'm going to figure that out with nick next week like why they did not actually hear that but it was suppressed like they, the jury never heard it, and um, yeah, but there was some really damning. Probably because it wasn't linked. The only thing linked to the crime was his DNA. The rest of the stuff was probably irrelevant. I mean, but it is relevant. It's like they it, said, it, circumstantially but it wasn't connected with that crime because it was years later. And whatever, it's like the judge makes that decision. Mm-hmm. I guess what's what's admitted and what's right. suppressed, but it was fucked up some bad stuff and it all had to do with like blonde women being tortured and jody killed true. oh jody that's a whole that thing comes up all the time it was so in his interview with um because who was asked that wasn't it so matt denlinger mm-hmm. came to his business and was asking questions and like just you know just right in the beginning jerry was like well, I've I've been researching Jody Husentrude, whatever. Like it came up out of the blue. Like no one was talking about Jody. That was a whole thing that like was not on their radar. But he started voluntarily talking about Jody Husentrude. Red flag. You are right. Yes. And um, so people started talking about that. You know. But. Um, I'm also doing an interview soon. Sorry, I can't say that word. With PI Steve Ridge. And we are going to talk about all of the Jody Hughes and Trude stuff and the connection there. So it's coming in a future episode. So.
hey, you unnamed guy in law enforcement. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. You're so welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. Like, you have been great to talk to. Like, come to the microphone. Well, I just think that your passion for what you're doing is, uh, is admirable. Because I think there's always a lot of questions after... You know these these atrocious crimes, and I think the fact that you dig deeper to really find more of the truth, the things that are suppressed are so important. Even though attorneys and judges, you know, certain things are thrown out, I think they're relevant to the average person. So I commend you on that, and I think that I think what you're doing is is important. What you're doing is important. Yeah. You're retiring soon. Are you going to be able to leave the scars of your past law enforcement duties behind you? Like, I mean, your life is probably forever changed by the things you've seen and heard. Yeah, I, I believe it's changed, but I think you compartmentalize a lot of that. You put it in a place and it, and it just stays there. I think there were times where I struggled with it and it caused problems in my life, but I've learned to put it in its place and leave it. And I think I can, I can walk away healthy knowing that I did the best job possible and knowing that, you know, it's, uh, it's a job, yeah. you know? And when you leave it, somebody else is going to pick it up right where you left off. Yeah. And it's going to be like you weren't even there eventually. So it's okay. I really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. We jumped around a little bit, but we tried to stay focused on the subject at hand, which is the Burns case, Jerry, Brian Farmer, Patricia, and the victim that we know of, Michelle Martinko. So we did bounce around a lot, I know, but, you know, we're two people who are kind of obsessed with the law. So what do you expect, right? And then another thing, I was talking about Brian Farmer Burns' disappearance in the last episode, and something crazy that I just had pop up in my hot little hand is, okay, so Brian Farmer Burns went missing in 2013, I talked about, you know, maybe there was a correlation there. Well, also in 2013, Jerry Burns had permits pulled to have some concrete poured on his property and a steel building constructed on his property. I don't know for sure all the details of that. It happened in either 2013 or 2014, but that's another thing that people are talking about a lot in town. You know, could Brian Burns' remains be underneath that steel building? I don't know. That is totally just a rumor, but I did look at the um, county assessor's website and I see that there was construction going on around that time. I just need to get some more details and see the exact dates of that. But there is so much coming next week, you guys. So many more things that we're going to talk about happening in the sleepy little town of Manchester. Is there a conspiracy? I don't know. Probably not, but there's definitely some secrets and there's definitely some mystery. And I will see you guys next time. Until then, stay safe and you know what to do. Lock your doors, people. Bye-bye.
True Crime IRL is written, produced, and hosted by Kelly Barron's Brink. Please subscribe to True Crime IRL wherever you get your podcasts and consider leaving a five-star review. Go to truecrimeirl.com for more information. Support the show by becoming a Patreon donor. Go to patreon.com slash truecrimeirlpodcast. You can also support the show by leaving a tip in the TCIRL tip jar. Go to truecrimeirl.com and click on the donate button or buy merch in the TCIRL merch shop truecrimeirl.com slash merch. Watch True Crime IRL on YouTube at youtube.com slash kellybrinktv. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at truecrimeirl, all one word. True Crime IRL theme music is produced by the captain at True Crime Garage. 